we leave a lot of things behind in the week, a lot of stresses, anxieties, um, other responsibilities, just different things going on, Lord, and yet they melt away when we come in the doors, are greeted by our brothers and sisters in Christ, and prepare to be developed and edified in your word. I pray today uh, that you will bless this Sunday school service. That'll be a time of edification, a time of building up, um, that this will be what we, we need to hear uh, for today. I pray additionally for the children's Sunday school, Lord. Please bless those children. Let them hear the gospel, and uh, Lord, may you use your spirit to call them and call them early so that they might be saved from judgment. I pray for this morning's worship and that we might glorify you in the worship. Despite us being feeble men, we might uh, use your spirit to overcome that and worship you in a way that only you could allow us to worship you, Lord. Please bless this day. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so you'll notice the distinct lack of a handout. Uh, and ba- basically, I, I started working through the, the material, and I thought, I think we have the doctrine of Scripture pretty well down. Like, in general, we've, we've done a How to Read the Bible Sunday School series um, that was uh, maybe actually about a, a little over a year ago now. But then we just came out of How to Interpret the Bible, the 40 questions. We covered a lot there. And so um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover some structural things about Scripture and the doctrine of Scripture But then the second chapter of this book, if anyone's had a chance to pick it up and read it, you'll notice after every doctrine, there's the application of the doctrine. So in this case, it says scripture in everyday life is the topic. So um, I also felt that when reading through the scripture in everyday life, a bunch of wonderful truths, but things that I thought, why don't we, instead of having it me having a handout that we're reading or talking about why don't we as a group have you all fill us in in the content so the idea here will be a little bit of a reversal where i'm going to be doing all the scripture reading but then i'm going to ask for examples um in your life or your experience for these different aspects of the doctrine of scripture applied and we'll be running around with the mic um to allow you all to fill in how you've experienced scripture in these different uh ways so be prepared to share. Otherwise, this will be a very short Sunday school. And um, uh, I'm hoping this is edifying, getting, getting a chance to listen to each other and each other's examples of working out scripture in everyday life. So <clears throat> I think uh, Tripp does a really good job in how he lays out the doctrine of scripture. I really like where he starts from, which is the idea of general revelation, specifically natural theology. So I'm, I'm going to throw it out there as a, as a question. Does anyone want to take a step? What is natural theology? Oh, we got hands over here. Looking around the world, we can see that God is the Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then if you want to hand it to Kaylin, I know Kaylin put her hand up too. That's all right. You can say it, say it anyway, because his wasn't on the mic. So. <laughs> so natural theology is the idea that we can learn things about God and that there is a God. It is. It's on. Yeah. 
from what we see in nature, from the existence of a creation that implies a creator, and certain things about creation imply what that God is like. For instance, um, we see in humans a, um, like, we see morality and the concept of justice in how we as humans uh, run our societies and how we live. And so therefore we know that the creator who made humans must also have a standard of morality and be just and whatnot. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, thank you both for sharing. Uh, you're, you're exactly right, which is natural theology is the theology or the, the study of God from the observable universe. So um, whether it's things like nature, like you were talking about, Dennis, where you're seeing trees and nature and how did that get here, um, all the way to morality. It's a common, um, especially with, with naturalists, it's a common area you go for debate to try to point out their issues is that if, if you're purely a naturalist and we're all just random molecules, then why is there morality? It makes no sense. Morality could only come from an outside source, in this case, God. And so you can, if you don't have the Bible, you could sit there out in nature thinking, and you could get to certain understandings about God, general revelation. But there, what there isn't is specific revelation. Someone sitting in, you know, in Phoenix, Arizona, out, you know, out in the wilderness camping should be shocked with, how did this get here? There must be a God. But they could not necessarily understand, oh, there's Jesus, and Jesus came and died on a cross, and three days later he rose again. That's not something that we could understand from, from, from nature. And we see this actually written out for us pretty clearly in Romans 1, 18 through 20, the idea of natural theology being a topic um, that we should see and know God from our surroundings and from his creation, um, and yet we are not able to. Um, so let me, I'm having to adjust to remembering I'm the one reading since I'm the one with all the scriptures. Okay, uh, Romans 1, 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God, God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So we can clearly, we've been restraining the things that we can clearly see in scripture, or in nature, excuse me, things of God. But then that special revelation, which is the scripture, what we're here to talk about today, the doctrine of scripture, is the perfect specific revelation, special revelation from God. So it's what he has divinely chosen to tell and communicate to us and for it to be documented. That is the specific things of God. So one of the aspects that we need to be aware of as we approach scripture and the doctrine of scripture is that our sinful nature has us approaching scripture incorrectly. We bring our foolishness to scripture. I'm going to read... 1 Corinthians, make sure, oops, I'm missing a chapter on my notes here, so I'm hoping I got the right chapter in mind. Yeah. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 1, 
18 through 31. So in, this is in regards to our, our sinful nature approaching Scripture and bringing um, our foolishness to Scripture. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolish of, foolishness of God is a wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing, uh, even things that are not to bring to nothing, things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So without a critical piece of the doctrine of scripture is that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot rightly interpret scripture. And in fact, it is folly to us, um, those of us who aren't approaching scripture, um, being saved. So praise the Lord, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we get to now talk about our the Holy Spirit and scripture in everyday life. So to give you, um, I'm going to kind of go through the the topics you're all going to be discussing today in Sunday school. Um, So please be prepared to share some examples or things that come to mind, but we'll go through these one at a time. But specifically, um, the scripture is laid out as, or the word of God saves, the word of God points toward God and away from us, the word of God teaches, the word of God rescues us from our sin, the word of God warns and protects, the word of God encourages, the word of God motivates, the word of God confronts and convicts, and the word of God guides. So um, what I'm going to do here is I'm, we're going to start with saves as our first topic. I'm going to read a scripture that supports this concept. And then if anyone wants to share an example of a way in which maybe scripture was used either in your salvation or how you've seen or experienced the word of God saving, um, we would love to pass the mic there. But Uh, Keep in mind, if we really believe that Scripture is the holy, perfect, revealed uh, Word of God, then shouldn't we see in everyday life, in these aspects listed out, shouldn't it become the most precious item in our house? Shouldn't it be the most treasured, valuable thing we own? Um, And I think these examples, as we go through this, hopefully should increase our desire to be with God every day in Scripture and reading His Word. So firstly, the word of God saves. I'm going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 
And then just after that, just raise your hand if you'd like to share an example of how you've experienced the Word of God saving. 2 Timothy 3.15 And how, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All right. Thank you, Gerald. So uh, as a as a non-believer, um, there was a guy. There was a guy when I was in college, and I, I think we were all talking about, I don't know, keggers or whatever we were talking about at the time. And this guy just out of the blue comes in and comes into our dorm room and says, "Hey, would you? Is anybody here? Would anybody be interested in Bible study?" And I was like, "I'd never studied the Bible before." And the very first. Uh, in this Bible study, we had to memorize uh, Bible verses, which I had never even cracked a Bible, really. And the, uh, the verse that we had to learn was 1 John 5, 11, and 12, and I'll read 13, too. 5, 11, and 12 says, and this is the, the testimony that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And then John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. And, um, you know, growing up in the church background that I had, there was never any sense of assurance that we could know. And so I was just, you know, this, this verse kind of haunted me for about six or eight months until I um, came, to, came to Christ um, through faith. And um, it's just been an anchor in my life, you know, that we can know. The Bible says we can know. I can't know for Cindy, but I can know for me. And it's a powerful, it's a powerful promise. Praise God. That's wonderful. Thank you. Oh. Um, I had gone to church my whole life, and there was no emphasis on a personal relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So you went to church because you were a good person and because mom made you on Sundays. And so the... <laughs> I even was baptized with that understanding. And finally, I told my mom my senior year in high school, I am not going to church anymore. This I don't understand the purpose. She's like, you're old enough to make your own decisions. And that year was awful. And I remember being in my room crying and just having the hardest time that senior year and opened the Bible because I had not read it for myself too much, except when you were supposed to. <laughs> and I came across Psalm 56, 8. You have seen me tossing and turning through the night. You have collected all my tears and preserved them in your bottle. You have recorded every one in your book. And that stopped me, and I said, wait a minute. This, I don't know who this God is, but I need to find out who this God is. That, because all these tears, that's been a lot of tears. And he's seen every single one. And I eventually um, accepted Christ two months later. Praise the Lord. Um, In the verse that you read, it says, From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. And uh, that triggered in my mind my own childhood, um, being raised in a truly Christian Bible-believing home, and how um, 
opposite from uh, Cindy's experience. Um, the Bible and God um, and Christian living were just a part of the fabric of our lives. And family devotions, uh, when I was old enough to read at um, you know six years old, and you know, I was a good reader for my age, my parents got me a, and it was just King James back in that day, you know, <laughs> my own Bible, a little white King James Bible with a zipper, you know, and had nice pictures inside, and I loved that Bible. And I, I underlined verses, and I'd look at the pictures sometimes during church when it got a little boring, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, we, we sang Bible songs. Uh, we had little records that um, taught Christian principles to children. We had, uh, like I said, family devotions. Um, I'm just saying all this to encourage the young families here. Make it a part of your everyday life so it's not just going to church on Sunday. Uh, what, what you have here at church is good support. It's good for your kids to know that there are other kids that are learning the same things that their parents think it's important to. But uh, what goes on in the family is really what makes a difference. Thank you. Oh, thank you all three for sharing uh, fantastic examples. And I think we see a, a wide spectrum from childhood and from college lifetime and then from the beginning, um, having scripture there for you, um, helping save. And I, your your point there, I, I completely resonate with because I, I'm sure many of us who did re- grow up in Christian homes, at a certain point, you do devotions because you're supposed to do devotions every day and you're, you're checking the box because you're supposed to be obedient. I know my dad's going to ask me, what are you reading? And if I don't have an answer, you know, or he's going to quiz me on the material, so I better actually like read this. And then over time it, you go, well, today I'm reading scripture because I want to read scripture. And, and then eventually, ideally, you're starting to see yourself saved through the scripture you're reading. And um, at least that was my experience. And so I think absolutely I can resonate with a lot of these things. And I, I would say um, in the regards of the, the word of God saving, um, hopefully this is where you're going in your evangelism as well. Um, that, that by pulling people to scripture, you'll able, you're able to witness or experience the salvation of others through the word of God. So our second point is that the word of God points toward God and away from us. Toward God and away from us. I'm going to read uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So again, the, the topic here is, um, so then for you, the question would be, how has the word of God helped you fight self-glory and point, take away from you and instead point towards God? All right, Kelly's got a hand here. I think that first stood out to me... Um, this was several years ago. I was doing a Bible study, and the author the, pointed out, she said, we don't, especially as women, because we're emotional, we, we tend to want to read the Bible to, to feel something or to be comforted. And she said, the important thing is to read the Bible to know God. He's, he's the whole focus, you know. And again, I've, I'm like, Jane, I grew up in a Christian home and all that, but 
for someone to a Bible teacher to say, it's about God. This is about your God. And yes, you're in it, but he's the focus. And that really stands out to me. Amen. Got a hand over here. Um, I, I just think of like the more I've learned about um, reformed thinking and the fact that like even my faith um, that I have in the Lord isn't something I mustered up myself, but is a gift of grace by him. Um, Amen. Oh, we have one more hand. So I was raised under perfectionism, and like you have to do whatever perfect, like be perfect for I am perfect. And when I got saved, one of the biggest things that really helped me was reading How Great Thou Art, the song. I had never heard it before, so I just was like reading it over and over again. And I was wondering like why I couldn't get saved because I just couldn't be perfect enough no matter what I did. And I kept reading it, and all of a sudden it struck me. God is great. There is no way that I can do anything to, to reach that level to become perfect. And I realized that I have to pray that God would change my heart. And that's when I became saved. And it pointed away from me and towards God instead and relying on him instead of making my own way to perfectionism. Thank you for sharing. We got one more hand back there. And then... Sean started to breathe, so I think that's a, another <laughs> hand up here. <laughs> In order that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. It brought to mind, um, 2 Corinthians brought to mind 1 Corinthians. and 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So I think part of the heart of this is to examine yourself and try and determine, is there even a tenth or a hundredth or a millionth of a percent of what you have or who you are that you caused? What part of you did you not receive everything that you have, everything that you are, every breath you take, every beat of your heart has been given to you. And if everything has been given to you, you cannot boast. And therefore, it is all of the Lord from, to, and through all things come. And that is the, mind, that is the mindset. Thank you. All right, and after Sean, I'm going to move us on to our next, uh, our next bullet point here. So it's already been mentioned uh, by my wife and, and, um, and others that the whole of the Scripture points us to God and his glory, right? Um, the Psalms in particular, as, as the book of worship of, of ancient Israel, um, and are still very applicable applicable for us today and in use in worship and in use in private devotion and in study um, and understanding how to approach God. And as we, as you study the Psalms, um, it, what becomes overwhelming really quickly is, 
is the uh, the majesty, the transcendent majesty and greatness of God. Just like she was talking about with how great thou art, it's reminiscent of that, and um, just the display of God's glory and the descriptive poetic language in the Psalms is so amazing and just astounding. Um, that it that it draws us to him, right? It draws us to to love him like no other, as we're led by the Spirit. So, yeah, love that. Yeah, I think we've we've all been there with sermons where it seems like the entire sermon was built around the application, right? It's all entirely built. Um, you find the source material to support how this is about you, um, and instead of approaching scripture with with God in mind, but clearly, if we truly understand the doctrine of Scripture, as we go to work out, um, work that doctrine out in everyday life, we will approach the Scriptures with God in mind and understanding that ultimately it all points to Jesus, um, and that it is all about God. and And although we have a role in this, it is about God. Uh, the next point um, is that God, the Word of God, rescues us from our sin. So what I'd note here is um, uh, to think about the idea of being rescued kind of connotes a couple of things here. One, um, that it requires a rescuer, um, and two, that that has to be outside of yourself. So um, scripture specifically rescues us from our sin um, and out, a source outside of ourselves. It's not us pulling ourselves outside of our sin. How have you experienced scripture rescuing, rescuing you? Yeah, I would say for me, uh, thinking that I was a good enough person to get into heaven. You know, scripture rescued me to realize that that was pretty prideful. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's, I would see definitely that as a rescue because I never saw that as a young man trying to be a good rule follower and thinking that, oh, God is going to be happy with me. Thank you. All right. I, I will tell you personally, I've uh, been rescued from a lot, a lot of things, whether it's um, anxious thought, uh, uh, you know, focus on the self, uh, just just about just about every sin at some point uh, you you open scripture and it's you're smacked in the face with the nature of your own sin and the nature of God and how those two things cannot intersect and um, absolutely scripture rescues on the other side so rescuing if you think of you know you need being pulled out of the burning building by the firemen or um, let's see our past pastors or cops, I should have a good cop example, but I don't. Um, I, I, I know, I know, firemen, like, firemen. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but in addition to that, before you actually get into the fire or the shootout or whatever uh, works here, um, Scripture warns and protects. And we see examples of this. Uh, Nick, actually, for those who are here for the very first Sundays um, of us as a church, Nick's preached through the book of Jonah, and over and over, Jonah's trying to warn Nineveh, and Nineveh, for a time, changes its behavior. And we see scripture warning and protecting. So I'm going to read Hebrews 2, and while I'm doing that, Nick, I don't know if you want to get the, um, we had a hand over here, Mike over there, but I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. 
feel like this is a test of how quickly I can flip through my Bible. Uh, Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have learned, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels provided to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Yes. Okay. I stopped to the right verse. Um, so uh, what I wanted to talk about uh, as far as warning and, and protecting, warning and protecting is different than withholding something just for the sake of withholding joy. So as a parent warns or protects their child, don't play with that, don't grab that, don't touch that, or various other things. You're doing it to, to protect and show love to the child that you're trying to keep them from self-harm. And we see this in the Jonah example with Nineveh, um, and then um, we see this throughout scripture that we are warned so, to protect ourselves. All right, thank you. Sorry. I don't know if you want me to share, because it was Please do. regarding the rescuing. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, so I my mind just kind of went a little bit of a different direction, but um, rescues us from our sin. I was thinking of Romans 7 when Paul is sharing his struggle with his own flesh and um, just really in turmoil with, like, he's doing the things he doesn't want to do and not doing the things he wants to do and um, just really appreciating that that struggle but then he goes to but who will save me from this body of death and the the future promise that it we will be rescued from that turmoil (laughs) um ultimately um even if we still struggle here and and on this side of heaven praise god yeah thank you so how how have you experienced um, scripture, the word of God, warning you or protecting you from, from maybe doing something that is sin? I'm afraid to give self-examples. I hope this is what you mean, but I... Um think of the times that I have memorized scripture or been to church or Sunday school or somebody encouraged me with a scripture and how often um, the Lord would give me opportunity throughout the week. Like if you're talking with somebody and you've just memorized or heard or read, um, don't gossip or, um, you know, Uh, take every thought captive like you said with anxiousness and how um, going through opportunities to trust the Lord or an opportunity to um, I mean we're given opportunities to sin or trust the Lord in every breathing moment but I think the times that scripture is brought to mind um I feel rescued. I feel like, Lord, I, uh, by your strength, by your grace, by your um, 
precious hand, you've protected me from sinning against you. And, um, yeah. Or when um, I do sin, when I, when I fall to whatever temptation and scriptures brought to mind, it is a rescue if I, um, it's by his precious hand, if I have the uh, strength to lay down my pride, to ask forgiveness and to repent and to be restored. So I feel rescued. <laughs> when those things happen. So I don't know. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, one of the clearest examples of of both that is actually, I think of, uh, it might've been maybe a month ago. Um, our brother Nick preached on, um, talking about starting the day by thinking through and arming yourself with the armor of God and, um, scripture being the sword, um, and, and having that, and I know for me, my routine has changed in the morning as a result of that sermon. I listen, I, I have a kind of a top five favorite hymns I listen to at the beginning of the day usually. And then I have devotions. And then I now think through that putting on these arm, pieces of armor of God and just the thought process of, of putting scripture in your head is, is a shield in and of itself or protects you from some of these sins. Um, in particular, some of the Bible verses, you know, my dad has had me memorize as a child because I committed the same sins over and over again. And um, and as an adult, I'm having to tell myself the same Bible verses my dad had me memorize to prepare myself and try to be guarded against um, these things. I think additionally from when we think about warnings um, in particular, um, for, for many of us being saved, it's easy to lose uh, I think it can be easy to realize the true judgment of God and what that means, like the gravity of that. And yet scripture is specifically what we use to evangelize with so that we can warn others who are outside of God's kingdom what will happen if they do not obey God. And so scripture absolutely warns and protects us, let alone you go to the the nuggets of wisdom in the Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, these uh, Job, where you have this wisdom literature, where you're given um, pretty clear connection of, of action and result of things, depending on your adherence to God's word, starting with the fear of the Lord. So we see the word of God um, warns and protects. All right. Uh, the word of God encourages. I'm going to read Hebrews 13.5. And you can guess the question is going to be asked, how has the word of God encouraged you? Uh, Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Has anyone been encouraged by the word of God? (laughs) Well, Rob Royce is the day. We got two hands, three hands. Oh, there we go. Take a yeah, you yeah. get to percolate a little bit. <laughs> See me flounder a bit, and then go to the rescue. The words "I will never leave you or forsake you" has had a special meaning to me mm-hmm. the last few months, and uh, it, it's it's been lonely sometimes since Dennis passed away, but God is always there. And I find myself going to him more often when I might have gone to my husband. What about this? What about that? I go to God, and he has been faithful. He has Praise been faithful God. every time. Praise God. Thank you. 
being encouraged. You know, every part of God's word is connected to encouragement, even the, even the warnings. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Who else is there to judge? Um, if God is against us, who can be for us? Right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1 that comes after Romans 7, where Paul declares what a wretched man he is. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is God's word, his promise. He cannot lie. He cannot change. His word is good. In Romans 2, it says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? See, that's a combination of warning and encouragement. Because God's kindness is an encouragement. It's an encouragement to salvation. It's an encouragement to repentance. And it's also a warning not to misinterpret God's kindness. So it's an encouragement and and a warning at the same time. It's an encouragement to repent because God is so kind. I'm not going to repent because of the penalty. I'm going to repent because of the promise. I'm not going to try and get out of hell. I want to be with the God who saved me from hell. It's different. But there is a warning connected to rejecting such kindness. It goes on to say, But because of your hard and penitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now, God's righteous judgment has already been revealed for the one who's been saved. It was revealed on the cross. And the perfection we need was provided in that very sacrifice. And that's the ultimate encouragement, that you have God's word, that he will not turn anyone away who comes to him in faith. Amen. All right. Uh, next, we have uh, the word of God motivates. <clears throat> James chapter 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being, preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the word of God... Um, motivates motivates us in many different ways. Um, in this case, the, the actions and the things you do are different um, as a result of the word of God. Um, has anyone in particular been motivated? We have time for one example of anyone being motivated by the word of God. All right, I'll share my own example again. So the, 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 <clears throat> um, the idea of evangelizing to me um, especially as a child, is terrifying. And speaking to someone, in particular those who you have no relationship with, and trying to tell them about God was terrifying. And yet it is so plain that I have something special, and that is the gospel, and it needs to be shared, and I'm commanded to share it. And um, now I count it a true joy to get to evangelize to those around me and to those I experience, whether an existing relationship like a coworker or um, those who don't, who you just find out um, are, are open to a conversation. And um, I will say my motivations have changed quite a lot over time in which 
you are now, I am motivated by scripture, but it is more than just an obedience motivation. It is a glory of God and a joy um, and motivated because of the blessings we see in scripture. And so I think scripture motivates us in a lot of different ways, either from an obedience standpoint or the joy that we experience, um, let alone, again, if you look at um, whether it's uh, let everything you do, um, uh, let Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, let it all be to the glory of God. I think that's First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one, or um, uh, work uh, work as unto the Lord, which I believe is Colossians three twenty three. You have these motivating verses or things that that should motivate you to operate in a way in which is different than if you were not embedded in Scripture. All right. Lastly, I'm <clears throat> we're bumping up right on time. We have. We have two items here. I'm going to read the scripture on them. They'll be for us to dwell on and think about. We won't have time for examples. Um, But the last two items here are that the word of God confronts and convicts. And I will read Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then lastly, it was the word of God guides. And I'm going to turn to Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. Word of God guides. One hundred five through one twelve, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. The word of God should be guiding us in everything we do. And and we started off with talking about the doctrine of scripture. If we truly believe that the word of God is the special revelation given directly to us from God and preserved by God, it should be our most treasured item. A lot, all of these things that we've talked about that the word of God does, and you could go on and create a far more complex and detailed list. These are things that we intersect with everyday life. And so you hear it set up here a lot, but I will continue to say it. Engage with the word of God and engage with your God daily. We're here for an hour and a half. If you stay for, if you come for Sunday school, maybe two and a half hours. And if you stay for prayer service, maybe three and a half, four hours. But that is not enough time in the word of God. Engage with the word of God daily. Let yourself be filled in these various ways, whether it's warning and protecting, encouraging, being rescued from the sin you're in, um, these various items. So I, I implore and encourage you to use this doctrine in your everyday life. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful to be in here with these folks. They have opened themselves up. They have shared their testimonies, their experiences. They've been vulnerable, Lord. And, and although it might not be our, our traditional Sunday school format, Lord, yet this, this to me is just absolutely valuable to hear 
the the flock and the and and your sheep speak up about their experiences with your word, Lord. And yet we know that our experiences aren't aren't enough. We need more of them, and we need your Holy Spirit to guide us and to walk us through how to interpret and experience the the authority that is your scripture, Lord. I pray that after today, all of us would be better stewards of your word, that we would use our free time to better understand your word and to know it better and deeper in a more intimate way. Please bless our morning worship today, Lord. May we glorify you in what we say, in what we tithe, in what we sing, and um, just in our fellowship um, afterwards as well, Lord. May it all be glorifying to you. May this be a day that is about you and not about us. In your son's name I pray. Amen.